Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a good long weekend. This morning's gospel is a challenging one. It's a nice gospel for the person that's sitting next to you. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily a gospel that personally I like to take to heart. You know, and St. John Chrysostom tells us that the scripture was given to us that it may be engraved in our hearts, not necessarily just to be kept in books. You know, this gospel... And pretty much, like, whole of chapter, uh, this is coming from Luke chapter 6, that all of chapter 6, pretty much I have an issue with. Because it's really bringing us to a different place. It's really calling us to a different standard. You hear and it says, love your enemies. And you ask yourself the questions, why would I do that? Do good to those who hate you. No thanks. You know, bless those who will curse you. Okay, yeah, that's something that we're going to do. You know, pray for those who spitefully use you. A big fat pass for me on this one. Today's gospel doesn't really align with our, our rights, our, you know, the pursuit to happiness that we may have. It's a hard gospel for us to hear and for anyone to hear um, and to live by, especially if we want to be happy in life. It seems like the gospel is contrary to what... You know, the world is telling us. It seems like if you want to be happy, then obviously you're not going to love your enemies and you're not going to pray for those who spitefully use you. You're kind of going to live your own life and you're going to be in a separate uh, area. I'm not suggesting that the gospel is opposed to our happiness, but it really is calling us to something a little bit deeper than what we're used to. St. Isaac the Syrian says, The soul that loves God has its rest in God and in God alone. In all paths that men and women walk in the world, they do not attain peace until they draw night, until they draw near to God in hope, or the hope in God. You know, this morning's gospel is, is one that Jesus kind of didn't really leave us any written dogmas he simply gave us a message through his words and through his deeds and he said love your god with all your heart your soul and your mind and your strength and in your neighbor as yourself that is what jesus left for us on earth there's many uh, scripture could be really summed up in just those two things love your god with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself some may say that Jesus really set like the bar very high, as high as it could possibly go. Because when you hear the gospel of today, it's not a gospel that kind of just flows easy for us. To love our neighbors, to pray for those who spitefully use us. But Jesus is asking us to live a life that is better than just a, a, a good life of intention. It's a life... He wants us to live a life that is with no limits. 
with us removing the lid. And a lot of times the lid that we set or the, set, the limit that we set for ourselves is what we believe in. Yesterday I just saw a video and it's a video of um, a lady that was giving a, a talk and she, she basically said there was a study that happened in the 1960s. And the study that happened in the 1960s, they had a group of people that did a math test and they took all the people that were like on the lower end of that math test and they they hypnotized them so i'm not promoting hypnotism but like they hypnotized them and they didn't teach them math while they were under hypnotized uh, under hypnosis i think that's the word yeah under hypnosis they just told them you are really good in math you are the greatest in math that's all they told them and then they made them redo the test and those people that were at the bottom ended up being on the top of the test. The point being is that a lot of times we set the limits for ourselves. We set the limits to ourselves in order how much we could forgive someone. We set the limits to ourselves in order how much we could give. We set the limits of ourselves in order to uh, how much we could love someone. We say things like, I will forgive only if... And there's a bunch of conditions that apply to that. I will give, but i also thinking about what am I going to get in return. Some people don't think that that's giving. When you give, when you think of what you're going to get in return, that's more trading than giving. You know, I get, you know, I will love those who love me first and those that will for sure love me back. We set limits to ourselves. We set limits to ourselves, and this morning, I think we are called to read the gospel in a way and say, these are our limits, Lord, that we want. That you are asking us to truly come to a place of, um, of correction, a place of transformation. You know, the Lord really kind of like cut really deep today. He cut really deep, and he's not just satisfied with a change in behavior. He is calling us to change our mind. And in the church, this is called repentance. A continual change of mind is a place of repentance. There's a bishop, Bishop Callistus Roar. He speaks of repentance, and he says, Correctly understood, repentance is not negative, but positive. It means not self-pity or remorse, but conversion, the recentering of the of our whole life upon the Trinity. It is to look not backwards with regret, but forward with hope, not downwards with our at our own shortcoming, but upwards at God's love. It is to see not what we have failed to be, but what but by divine grace we can become. It is to act upon what we see. To repent is to open our eyes to the light. In this sense, repentance is not just merely a single act, an, act, an initial step, but a continuing state, an attitude of heart and will that, will that needs to be seasonlessly renewed up until the end of our life. You know, the Ten Commandments say that we shouldn't kill, but Jesus goes further than that. And he says that we shouldn't have anger in our heart. That we shouldn't allow for anger to have a foothold in our heart. We may get angry with someone and not murder them. That's a good thing, hopefully. But the spiritual life is meant 
to totally eradicate evil from our lives. That we are to come to a place and say that wherever anger is stored, we will remove this. That we will not allow for a thought of anger to grow and to take root within us. There's a silent prayer that the priest prays in the liturgy. And it calls both in the liturgy and it calls us to both think and do what is pleasing to God. This transformation of mind, this is, uh, is not something instantaneous. It's not something that you and I could just sit here and say, okay, Lord, change my mind, transform my mind, and so forth. No, it's a process. And we have to be okay with the process of everything that happens in life. That everything, or mostly the things that happen in the church, are going to be a process. When we speak of repentance, we speak of a life of repentance. When we speak of forgiveness, we speak of a process of forgiveness. I think I, I gave this example a few weeks ago where I had a hard time when I was a little bit younger about, I, I had a hard time forgiving someone for something. And then one of my friends came up to me and he says, like he saw the bitterness that I had. He saw like the anger that I had within me. And he asked me just a simple question. He said, did you forgive this person? And I said, no, haven't you been hearing everything that I've told you? How much of a jerk he is, how, what he did and all of these things. How can you ask me, have I forgiven him? I said, no, I, no, I haven't forgiven. He's like, okay, let me, let me rephrase the question. He's like, are you in the process of forgiving him? And he was trying to explain to me that forgiveness doesn't necessarily have to come in a certain moment. That it's okay for it to take a process. But it's okay, it is important for us to be along this path, along this process of forgiveness. That we can't just say, well, I'm not going to forgive this person. No, we got to come to a place that we are willing to be in the process of forgiveness. Once our mind and our heart are transformed, the results are truly going to be amazing. St. Paul speaks and writes to um, an epistle to Titus, Titus, and he says, To the pure all things are pure, and to those who are corrupt... And do not believe nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and consciences are corrupt. That is, the pure in heart projects from what's inside of them. It's important for us to come back to a place and understand that we are called in the Beatitudes to have a pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I always thought that this verse meant that blessed are the pure in heart, for when you pass away and when you depart from this world, you shall see God. But that's probably not what the verse meant. The verse meant for us to live it out here on earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall see God. You shall see God in all those that you interact with. Whether they are Christian or not. Whether they are of the same social economical class as you or not. Whether they are the same color as you or not. You're going to see truly God in the present. Being filled with God equals people that will bless those who curse them and do good to those who spitefully use them. They will come to a place that there will truly be no judgment. You know, the saints prayed for healing of sinners and their enlightenment so that, so that the suffering that causes unhealthy thoughts would vanish. You know, recently, uh, just yesterday, we celebrated the Feast of St. Moses, 
the Ethiopian. And St. Moses had many different wonderful characteristics that we could learn from. But one of the ones that he had is that he was non-judgmental. That he was able to be in a place and never be judgmental. That he always had his own personal sins or he knew that he wasn't the one to judge. There's a story about when he, one time, one of the monks, the fellow monks uh, in the monastery was uh, doing a repeated sin. So the other monks gathered together and said, we need to get together and kind of do like an intervention and basically judge him. So they brought that monk that was sinning and they sat him down and then they called for St. Moses to come. And St. Moses didn't come. He says, I'm not going. And then eventually they insisted. They insisted on him coming. So they went to get him and they insisted, saying, Father Moses, you need to come. You need to come and reprimand this monk because you're one of the elders. And Abba Moses, what he did was is he picked up a vessel, a bag full of sand and poked a little hole in it and carried it on his back and he walked towards where they were going to judge this fellow monk. And when he got there, the other fathers asked him, Abba Moses, why are you carrying this bag? What is, what, what is the meaning of this bag and the sand and so forth? And he told them, this sand represents all of my sins that I have left behind. That I know that they are there. So who am I to come and judge another? And they understood. They understood that we have to look at ourselves first and foremost. That we have to create an environment that there is a place for healing. Abba Moses, for sure that, that monk that was sinning and had a bunch of shortcomings, when he saw that, automatically repented. Automatically came to a place that was said that I need that type of transformation that Abba Moses had. St. Maximus the Confessor says, The one who is perfect in love and has reached the summit of detachment knows no distinction between one's own and another's, between faithful and unfaithful, between slave and free, or indeed between male and female. But having risen above the tyranny of the passions and looking to the one nature of men, he regards all equally and is equally disposed towards all. For in him there is neither Greek nor Jew, neither male or female, neither slave or free. But Christ is everything and in everything. What an amazing saying. What an amazing saying when you come to a place that you truly are transformed and you accept to be transformed and you accept the purity that God will put in your heart. That you will say, sit here and look at people and say there's no difference. That whoever walks through those doors, that we are all equal, that we are all children of God, that we are all coming and seeking healing. One of my biggest prayers have always been to be in a community that will be non-judgmental, that we could come into a place and truly restore what St. John Chrysostom used to speak about the church and say that this is truly a hospital for those that are seeking healing, that it's not a hotel for saints. None of us here uh, need to put on a mask. None of us here need to pretend to be somebody that we're not. When you come and you want true healing, this is the place to come. To come and to lay it at the altar. And no one will judge. And no one will make you feel uncomfortable. Why? Because the people here want and strive to, to live a life of purity. You know, this is not a time to judge anyone.
whether it's within this these four walls or whether it's outside it's not time to judge it's a time for us to struggle it's a time for us to struggle to have a purity of heart and mind to strive to have pure intentions to love all equally to understand that every person truly matters that it's not just a matter of those that are just in your inner circle that truly it's everyone that we encounter deserves the love of Christ you know, a few years ago, there was this horrific finding about the, the, the residential schools. And uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, stood up and he said something. And he said, the horrific findings of the remains of hundreds of children at the site of the former residential school in British Columbia have rightfully pressed us to reflect on our country's historical failures and the injustices that still exist in the indigenous people and many others in Canada. He continued saying, we as Canadians must be honest with ourselves about our past. And I'm saying that to myself this morning. You, Thomas, need to be honest about yourself. You need to be honest about the things that are going on within you and expose them and to, to, to repent from them. If we follow Christ, Enemies will exist, but we will have no enemies. This is a quote. This is not my quote, so don't worry about it. This is a quote that I, I found. Um, if we follow Christ, enemies will exist, but we have no enemies. If we follow Christ, there should be no strings attached to our compassion and to our love for others. To be loving as God is one of our goals. To be forgiving like Jesus forgave is one of our goals. To be merciful as God is one of our goals. To be blind to all the different classes, ethnicities, and distinctions, this is one of our goals. So what are we doing? You know, are we living a life that is governed through the plain words of the scripture? Did we wake up this morning and say we're going to hear scripture and we're just going to say that this is for the person that is sitting next to me? Or are we saying that this morning the scripture is truly for me to be transformed? What is going to govern my life? Is it scripture that is engraved in my heart? Or is it just mere words that we hear and say these are nice words? We are called to rise above the typical human behavior. We're, this morning we are called to remove the lid that we have set for ourselves. This limit that we have set for ourselves. When you come and you say, I can't do this. The word is not, I can't for Christians. The word is, I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't forgive this person. I won't, you know, give uh, out of, you know, even if I don't have. I won't go out of my way. I won't sacrifice. It's not about, I can't. Because we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. St. Arianos, the great, uh, he's a great uh, second century theologian, expresses the essence of Christianity in a really concise saying. And he says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully realized. Fully realized is is us coming to a place of true purity, a place where we don't use that word, I can't anymore. That we use the word that, yes, Lord, I will. 
if you're asking me to do this, I will do this. Anything in our thoughts, anything in our behavior that doesn't reflect the love of God is what we need to disregard and to repent from. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. We pray that this morning, the words of the gospel really encourage us to come to a place of removing that lid, removing that limit. That we could go home and say, Lord, with you I could do all things. That whatever is holding you back from taking that next step, whatever is holding you back, that you're saying, well, Lord, I have repented and I have confessed and I have removed all of these aspects of my life except this one little part. Don't, be, don't accept the one little part. Say, Lord, all of my heart is yours. Whatever that part of your heart that you need to, to, to cleanse, today is the day that we say, Lord, please remove the lid because we know with you there are no limits and glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.